God bless you all, and welcome to Core 242 Podcast with Pastor Max and Pastora Trish. Join us as we study the Word of God. Today we're going to start on being filled with the Holy Spirit, and we're going to go through such things. Today it's going to be just more of a summary of being filled by the Holy Spirit, but we'll get into more of uh, be, to repent, to rebirth, to receive and remain in the Holy Spirit. So really, really excited about that, um, and especially today, just because just going into the Holy Spirit and who He is and how He works in our lives and the importance uh, of uh, of Holy Spirit in our lives as we're going to uh, dive into it today. Um, and what we we've already found is that there's so much more. <laughs> Of course, like everything else that we've tried to dive into, than what we anticipated. So this just seems to be the pattern, and we're just going to roll with it. Uh, we want to stick with, like today, as he said, that we would do a big picture overview. We kind of just started with the question of who is the Holy Spirit? Because I think that we we don't really fully grasp it. Well, we understand that there is, the, that as Christians, we affirm the Trinity, right? That there's the three-in-one Father, Son, Holy Spirit in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus says to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we have this understanding, but I, I know, even since I was in the Catholic school as a kid, I was like, but that doesn't feel right. It's like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It should be like, if it's like a family, you know, there's it just raises questions. There's, the, there's the part of me that just is kind of like, I don't know if it's like an OCD, right? Like, you have the tiles all nice in a row, and then there's one that's just off. Like it's Father, Son, and then Holy Spirit. The stepchild. It, it, yeah, it's like this random stepchild. Like, sh- should it be like the daughter? Should it be like the mother? Or is it like in heaven? There's only men. Like, there's just a lot of like there's a lot of misunderstanding. And to be honest, I mean, I've gone to seminary and I've been a pastor for years, and I have a doctorate, and it's still very abstract to me, honestly. Who the Holy Spirit is as a person is abstract. So we're all on this journey together. I'm excited to see what God shows us and what he, where he leads us with this. Yeah. The- so today we just wanted to do the high-level view. And then over the next couple of weeks, we're going to stick with our... Uh, what we're referring to with the catalyst is this original page. This is obviously really worn out with our notes. <laughs> and we're going to be on this section here, which is section two. And we've, I've already found quite a bit of stuff. So what we may want to do is make a decision at some point as the Lord is leading us. If we really feel like we need to unpack, then we can make a decision that we want to stay on this topic of the Holy Spirit and do kind of a sidebar series and not like we've said, we don't want to just go through this in three, four weeks because our agenda says so, um, and, and, or we could say, you know what, we want to revisit this, but we want to keep moving through the other five, seven points. And we can always come back and do a deep dive of who is the Holy Spirit. So we have options, but that's just where we're at, you know, coming into 2022, uh, we wanted to start with this as our first sermon series, uh, to set the tone, uh, for, for what God is going to do through our church and our community, um, going into this new year. Yeah, I know. Normally, it should have been finances. Like, hey, you got to donate. <laughs> so that's how you start off the the year. No, um, but I I think I think for me also, and it, it was 
you know, it's just it's one of those things you you read it and we just started reading through the word, right? We just we just read Genesis a couple. Of, well, we are in Genesis. We just read the creation a, a week ago and everything else. And it's something as we were preparing, I was already thinking about this teaching and everything else. It was interesting to me again the importance of the Holy Spirit because when we go into the creation, uh, it says, "Let us create." man in our image, right? And that R kind of jumped into my face because because when he said R is talking about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're, all three of them were there. So that means when they said when when God speaks and says, let us create in our image, that means we were created in the image of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit that that is part of the things that we're supposed to be reflecting. Those are the part of the things that we are part of, right? So mm-hmm. um when we do, when we walk around without the Holy Spirit, we we're we're missing, we're missing something that God meant for us to have. God meant for us to be able to reflect Him truly. So that's why we really wanted to get into it. I mean, uh, and people see it. I mean, the the, the great book of uh, Forgotten God. Like it was one of those things that there's actually a book needs to be there because. It is Holy Spirit kind of gets on the side of it, and he he is very important. And as we look into it, we're going to see how important it is in our Christian uh, Christian walk and eternity, pretty much. So we're definitely going to go more into who is the Holy Spirit and, and how it is seen. But uh, we wanted to start off as what the Holy Spirit does, right? Right. So the the first issue is that we live was that Madonna in a material world I didn't mean that but as I was saying it it took me back to the 80s so we live in a physical and material world right and the reality is that <laughs> the song is in my head now the Holy Spirit is not doesn't have flesh is the Holy Spirit is a person but does not have a physical form in a traditional sense that we can describe in in human words. Mm-hmm. And so it's easier in that case to do a study on, okay, who is the Holy Spirit by defining the Holy Spirit by what he does and how he acts and how he moves by his character rather than try and explain physical attributes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with Jesus, he came in the flesh. So it's easier to understand he was a you know, he was an ancient Jewish male, uh, you know, there's, there's physical characteristics. We can picture that, but with the Holy spirit, because the Holy spirit is from heaven and doesn't have that physical form, it becomes a lot harder for us to describe the person of the Holy spirit when we can't put it into language that we can taste, touch, see, and feel. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what scripture talks about the metaphors, the images, tend to point to the character of the Holy Spirit. So you see the Holy Spirit manifesting as wind or fire or a dove or, uh, you know, oil. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's about, and we're going to get more into that as we go. So even in scripture, we're not alone in this. The church throughout history, uh, in ancient Israel, even Moses, you know, all of the, the forefathers and the prophets had this same struggle. They experienced the Holy Spirit and they knew the Holy Spirit was distinct and real and moving and was a powerful attribute of the Godhead. But 
to be able to just define uh, the Holy Spirit in in physical terms, it, it kind of the, the attribute of God just went outside the box. There was no way to really explain. Uh, so we don't have a picture. Like sometimes our pictures may be wrong. You know, a lot of pictures depict Jesus as a as a European dude with blue eyes, and obviously that's not what Jesus really looked like. He was a Middle Eastern man. Uh, you know, we picture God the Father as this elderly, right, with a white beard, and you know, <laughs> we have these. So even the images we have are not right. So rather than trying to tackle and and define the Holy Spirit with physical attributes, we just want to study the Holy Spirit according to how he acts and how he moves in our lives and uh, within our our hearts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what we're going to be looking at, I don't know if Trish shared, I think she shared it on text message. Mm-hmm. We're going to be in Luke today, and we're going to start in Luke 3, uh, verse 21. And when you guys get there, I'll pause so that we can kind of be on the same page. So while you flip... I'm going to share something with you to just explain oh, how to. what the Holy Spirit is, is not. <laughs> can you guys see this? We can. Okay. Ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right, 20 seconds on the clock, Skip please. It. Here we go. Name a part of the... Where is it? You said it's... Where is it? You got to find her. her Hold sister. on. Bear with us. Right there. There we go. Have you guys seen this? Yes, sir. Carney did okay. She got 184. China, you need 16 points to win. Okay. I'm going to ask you the same five questions you can ask. Hold on. Okay. Holy Spirit, activate. Oh, no. Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate. Activate. So we just. <laughs> so that's so. There's a different ways to uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit does many things. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, again, the Holy Spirit is a person who moves and acts in our lives, not a life force that you can conjure up or plug into or manipulate uh, or cheer. I'm not sure what... what She was activating. She was activating. It's like Power Rangers. It's, you know, the Holy Spirit is not turned off and on with some remote control or light switch. So we just wanted to share that while you guys were turning uh, to the scripture. (laughs) And it's it's funny, so hopefully it's good for a laugh, but it's also sad because so often, you know, as Christians, we we have this very misguided understanding. So we just want to get away from that, right? We want to nudge away from that because that's a clear picture of who the Holy Spirit is not. And now we'll start our journey to discover who the Holy Spirit truly is. Yeah, and even with that, just just so we don't walk away from it, is we, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is present in us at all times. For us to activate activate the holy spirit or 
uh, we need to deny ourselves more. It's more of bring us down so we can hear the Holy Spirit because there's so much of us happening that yeah. we don't listen to the Holy Spirit. So when, when uh, you know, as much I love that song, Welcome Into This Place. Like it's a beautiful song, but the Holy Spirit is there. It's more of God help us to take all our worldly thoughts away so we can let you start doing things. It's not that, okay, now that we said this prayer or sang the song, now more of the Holy Spirit is going to pour out. It's just, so it's. The reality is that the Holy Spirit is already active. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is already present. The only thing getting in the way of that is is ourselves. And so we have to become less so that he can become more, right? And that's what this process is about. So looking at Luke chapter 3, starting in verse 21, will one of you read? 21 and 22. Just 21 and 22, yeah. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, son, whom I love. With you I am well So one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is it seals us. Here... Huh? We, we just have to work on that habit. I didn't say he? You said it. Oh. See? It's yeah. pretty ingrained. Uh, so he seals us. He seals us into the family of God. That is a very, even, even here, Jesus has been alive for the past 30 years, right? He's been living his sinless life. I know the spirit has been with him the whole time, right? But here at the age of 30, he got baptized. He has publicly announced his death. Of his old self and the new has come, right? He was baptized by John Baptist. He comes up and here the Holy Spirit sounds like a dove and the voice says, this is my son. He is my son. And the same thing happens with us as Christians. When we say that we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior and the Spirit comes upon us, it seals us for what is to come? Are you in Ephesians mm-hmm. 4.30? Yeah, Ephesians 4.30 speaks really powerfully about it. It says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Like It's, it's a, such a powerful thing. It is sealed. It shows that now we are, one, adopted into his family. Two, we are his. Because remember, we, we talked about that you can be... Son of God or son of son of Satan, right? Wh- which one are you? Which one are you going to serve? So when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we kind of put on we. This vessel is going to be for God, just like the tabernacle was for God, right? It was made for God. the The temple that Solomon built was made for God, right? It's all these things that were. This is going to be for the Lord, and then. The Spirit of the Lord came upon those things, right? It was first ordained for God, and God filled it, right? So it, it is a, a very important aspect of it that when we accept Christ, we become sealed with the Holy Spirit. Right, and the understanding of a seal 
is that there is a mark or an imprint. You know, scripture often talks about us like clay. And so there's this metaphor that when the Holy Spirit, when we receive the Holy Spirit, when we ask, when we submit to Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit marks us with this seal, with the signet ring of the Almighty God as the King of Kings. When we say Jesus is my Lord and Savior, he is now my King, right? And we get marked with his signet, with his, that, that we are one of God's children. And that is an indicator, not only for the Holy Spirit, that, that he's welcome here, right? Because that's the song that we started off the service with is, you are welcome here. Come flood this place. And not the room, but flood me mm-hmm. and fill my atmosphere, right? So mm-hmm. it starts with this, this visual indicator that I, I now submit and belong to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is welcome into this space. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and it's not only an indicator for the Lord, but it's also an indicator for the enemy as well, right? That we, we've been marked and there's a lot of scriptures, old Testament, new Testament that talk about us being marked, that talk about us having a sign. And that's why even when you get into revelation, where it starts to talk about more obscure things, like I think Christians spend so much time concerned about receiving the mark of the beast, (laughs) And the mark of the beast is the counterfeit to the seal and the mark of the Holy Spirit. And if we have been sealed and marked with the Holy Spirit, we don't need to be so afraid of the mark of the beast. Because the mark of the beast is the mark of the Antichrist. The seal of the Holy Spirit is the mark of the one true Christ. So as long as we have been sealed for the day of redemption, we need not fear so much about these apocalyptic things uh, because we're already sealed. We're already marked. Does that make sense? So we see here in, in Luke chapter three, the first thing that happens is that the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. And that is, he's being sealed by this dove, right? Because doves were used to bring the message so in other words, he's the, the Holy Spirit came as a heavenly messenger and the message he delivered is, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. So when you come and you say, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior, what happens in, this, in the heavenly realms is then the same way the Holy Spirit delivers this message and marks us with the seal saying, you are my daughter, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. We, we receive that same mark. So the first thing that happens when you come to know Christ is that you receive this mark. You become sealed. And we just want to make that really clear because I think a lot of that has gotten lost over the centuries. We talk about being empowered by the Holy Spirit or baptized by the Holy Spirit or all these different things. And the very first thing that actually happens is that we become sealed, we become marked, those, those are all just different ways of saying the same thing uh, that the Lord mar- like stamps us with his seal of approval, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, you are mine, right? Yeah. He says, I, to fear not, I have gra- engraved you in the palm of my hands. You are mine. Mm-hmm. And that's the message that he starts with Jesus. And that's the same message that when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, that he reiterates and says to us. So then the, the second piece, mm-hmm. uh, it will, we can move ahead. We're going to go through the genealogy and just jump to chapter 4 of Luke. 
And Sandra, can you can you read uh, verse one and two? Just one and two. Mm, okay. Four now. Yeah, just one and two of chapter four. Sure. When Jesus returned from the Jordan River, the power of the Holy Spirit was with him, and the Spirit led him into the desert. For forty days, Jesus was tested by the devil, and during that time, he went without eating. When it was all over, he was hungry. Okay, uh, Mario, can you can you read verse one from your translation? Because I'm I'm curious, what translation do you have, Sandra? Because this has happened. I'm I want to look into your version, and you'll, it'll make more sense why in a minute. The contemporary English. Okay. Okay, Mario, can you read? Are you using? And I mean, yeah. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Okay. Where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, one or just one. No, that's fine. It's, it's fine. Uh, it helps to reiterate anyway. Uh, this is why it's important because the the second thing that happens is once we are sealed, once we have that approval. Uh, the, the word there in, in the Greek is that we become filled. So we become indwelled. And it's just interesting, and it'll make sense, because point number three, Sandra, will make more sense why I pause here, because your wording is very different, and it's a key difference. So I'm very curious about why they translated it that way. I'm going to look into that. Yeah, so, so this is a, the cool aspect of, uh, of our salvation. Uh, actually, not salvation, our forgiveness. That uh, it's that anointing to do God's God's will, right? It's anointing to do His work. So we have, well, this is us, and now we're sealed. We're saying that this is for the Lord. So that means if this is for the Lord, now the Lord can fill this place, just like the tabernacle was built the way God wanted to be, right? He created, He gave. Uh, um, Moses every step of how to make the tabernacle. And tabernacle was put together. And now it's ready. It was. It has a stamp of approval from God because this is how it was supposed to be. And now it can be filled. We need to remember that God is a holy God. So the reason, the way we're sealed is because we're forgiven now. Because the blood of Jesus is upon us. So we're forgiven now. That now the Holy Spirit can enter us. Without Christ, the Holy Spirit can't enter us. Because, because the two don't mix. Evil and, and holiness does not mix. So we ha- we now are able to be filled with the Holy Spirit to do his will. And now we're look- looking at this verse. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, he comes back. He's led by the Spirit. And this is where uh, is the hard part. I think this is where uh, I don't think people want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because let's, let's look at what, hap- what happens in verse 2, right? Even in verse one, it, it says he gets filled with the Holy Spirit and then is led by the Spirit into the desert, yeah. into the wilderness. Yeah. Well, we don't want to go there. We, don't, we, don't <laughs> we want, want the Holy Spirit to fill us so that we can have power and blessings and all that, right? We, we don't want to go to the wilderness. We don't want to go to the desert. Yeah. So here, here we're looking at he's full with, why did Jesus, oh, Jesus, why did God Fill, fill him with the Holy Spirit to now do these things, to now prepare for his next step. So he gets led into the desert. He gets tempted 
by the devil. Mm-hmm. And he has to fast for 40 days. He's hungry after this. That is what filled by the Holy Spirit means. And that is the, that's the work we do. We're filled by the Holy Spirit to fast. We're filled by the Holy Spirit to pray. We're filled by the Holy Spirit to have solitude. We have, we're filled by the Holy Spirit to, to worship. Do, to worship. All the things that we've been studying over the last few months, coming back to that, that apart from him, we can do nothing. So this process, there, what we want to focus on today is what the Holy Spirit does. But there are four, these, these four things that are in our core catalysts, right? There's repent. Uh, I don't want to speak out of turn, so let me say it. Repent, rebirth, receive, remain. What's happening is, is that scripture teaches that we are, we are co-laborers, that we are partners with God. So while I cannot save myself, I can do nothing to be saved. Once I am saved, once I am sealed, I enter into this partnership and there's a, there's activity going back and forth between my choice and what the Holy Spirit does. So if you notice in chapter three, it says that Jesus got baptized, right? He does this sign of repentance and he prays. So the process starts with baptism and with the prayer of repentance. And we know this, right? Like we've, we've heard it and we've talked about it. That in the moment that we pray the salvation prayer, in the moment we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that the, the salvation process begins. That we are sealed. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives. And so then the, the next step is that we are, we are, we, we, like I said, we get baptized and we become born again. Once we are born again, the Holy Spirit then fills us and begins this leading process of purification, yeah. right? Yeah. Of sanctification. Mm-hmm. So we, we learned that it's not about going out and saving souls and uh, that's all great, but it starts with us, mm-hmm. right? We first need to engage in that process of prayer and worship and solitude. And what is happening here is all of those 12 disciplines that we studied over the last few months, Jesus is engaging in these in this wilderness experience. He's fasting, solitude, prayer, worship, um, word. confession. He's studying the word. All of those things that we talked about, he is flexing and exercising those muscles in this experience. And it is a model for us when we say that we're supposed to live and be like Jesus. This is the type of thing that we need to sit with and model after is to understand that when we get saved, it's not like a magic wand is waved and suddenly we now have a fairy godmother who gives us whatever we want. It is not a name it, claim it path to prosperity. It doesn't mean that you're always going to get that job. It doesn't mean, in fact, the message, right, we've talked about is one of suffering. It's one of hardship. It's one of denying yourself and picking up your cross. And we see that happening right here in chapter four, that Jesus gets baptized, is filled with the Holy Spirit. And the first activity that the Holy Spirit does is not him walking on water. It's not him healing the lepers. It is him being led into the wilderness and being transformed from the inside out. And that is what our own spiritual journey should look like as well. Yeah. yeah, and it is it's really important for, or at least for me, is that how he, how much he relies on the power of the word of God, because he's being tempted by the devil right now, and he answers it 
uh, with the word of God. So all that is in there. All that is, it's, it's got to be in there because that's where his power is coming from. Mm-hmm. That's where he's been empowered. You know, we have those things, and again, just absolutely relying on the on on the, on those dis- disciplines that that we've talked about. Absolutely, and the the great thing is about that is that as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, as we are uh, going through these things, going through these disciplines, we're being empowered. He won, right? It says. Uh, 13, 413, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until the opportune time because Jesus was able to over and over stop the devil, defeat the devil. Um, and after he tried, the devil has tried to tempt him as many ways possible. He left him. He was empowered now. Even though he did, hasn't eaten, right. even nothing, he, even though physically he he might have been weak, but spiritually, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he was able to do all these things. That outwardly wasting away, inwardly he was being renewed. Yeah. So the next, so our next step is four fourteen, where we're talking about being empowered, and we see him here. Um, and I'll read this one because it's my turn, I guess. Uh, fourteen says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in the synagogues, and everyone praised him. So then he goes to the synagogue, and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the eyes of everyone were fastened on him. And he says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And the people were amazed, right? And then I believe they actually try to try to kill him <laughs> right after that. Him, yeah. So immediately he's on his, <laughs> he's on his way out. And, and again, this is what our journey looks like is, is once we have become mature and complete in the disciplines, it, the process never stops, but then we gain this power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we don't pray the salvation prayer and flip on an on switch and have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. And some, there is a process here of maturity, of growth, of submitting, of making sure that you're discerning that the voices that you're hearing are actually the Holy Spirit and not something in your head, you know, that you are really being led by the Holy Spirit. And this is often missed because we think, oh, well, you're saved and now you're ready to teach or now you're ready to go preach or now you're ready. But the biblical model, even with Paul, you know, Paul stays in Jerusalem and he had studied the scripture, had it memorized his entire life. But he stays and is mentored by the apostles. I believe in somewhere in scripture, it says for seven years he was there. And the disciples as well, Jesus says, come follow me. And they come follow him. But before he sends them and Peter starts, his shadow is healing people. He walks with Jesus 24 seven for three years before they really were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we want the power, right? But we don't want the process to get there. Mm -hmm. And the process to get there is the dying to self. And allowing the Holy Spirit to live in you and make you into a new creation. Yeah. And it's it's important to understand when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, that means the Holy 
fruit of the Holy Spirit is now going to start coming out. Mm-hmm. Like, I know we want to be the ones who we're going to lay hands and, and heal and preach the word and cast out demons and all those things. And all those things will come uh, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. But the the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and goodness and patience, kindness and gentleness and self-control and, um, those are the things that now that we're empowered, that's what we can do because those are not the things that are of the world. So when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, when we're coming in, that's, that's when all those things w- will, be, uh, will be seen from our lives. Mm-hmm. And just to, to kind of wrap it up so that we can mm-hmm. get into discussion, to, to wrap some of these things together that have seemed somewhat vague is that if you understand that there's this this three-step process that the Holy Spirit, you know, seals us for the day of redemption. In the process of sealing us, uh, we are cleansed, we are forgiven, we are claimed by God, and we become adopted as children. That is the moment, you know, Scripture tells us that our spirit testifies, I mean, the Holy Spirit testifies to our spirit that we are children of God and cries out, Abba, Father. That happens from the moment of salvation, we become, you know, entered into the book of life and we become children of God. We are sealed in that moment. The second part where we're filled is that we are filled with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've learned about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but again, if it's detached from this process, then we don't have an understanding of why do we get gifts? What are the gifts for? What do you do with it? Uh, So when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's presence alone is the gift. And, And scripture teaches us that we are one body with one spirit and one baptism, right? So we have different gifts, meaning that the Holy Spirit works in different ways. Some of us receive prophecy. Some of us receive teaching. Some of us receive mercy or service, right? Wisdom, discernment. There's these different gifts of the Holy Spirit that moves differently in different proportion. But the Bible says that he can do more than we could ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. Mm-hmm. So remember, that's why Paul tells us eagerly desire the greater gifts. So if you, <laughs> I mean, be careful what you pray for, but if you want the gift of prophecy, are you ready to die to yourself so that the Holy Spirit can give you a prophetic word. If you want the gift of teaching or leadership, are you willing to engage in a study of scripture that the Holy Spirit, again, dying to yourself to make room for the Holy Spirit to use those gifts in your life? So it where we interplay is that the Holy Spirit can do all things through all people at all times. There is no limit to what the Holy Spirit can do. What limits is us. Mm-hmm. When we, when our pride, when our ambition, when our, um, when our lust or envy gets in the way, we inhibit what the Holy Spirit can do in and through us. And then the final part is, again, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, but we're not empowered to do signs and wonders. We are empowered to bear fruit. Mm-hmm. We are empowered that as we preach, as we teach, as we prophesy, as we do these things, there starts to be fruit, not only in other people, 
we don't do that. The Holy Spirit does. Where the fruit is, is in ourselves, in our character. We find peace. We find joy. We find purpose, right? We find, we learn patience, right? As... As we, as we serve, we learn how to find joy in all circ- and be content in all circumstances. So the power of the Holy Spirit, which so many people chase after, is not for signs and wonders, but the power of the Holy Spirit is so that we can go and bear fruit. And just to, to finish, since we, we are in Luke, Luke chapter 3 verse 8 says this. It says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Mm. So again, the ultimate goal is not that we do signs and wonders. The ultimate goal in partnering with the Holy Spirit is that we would produce fruit. That we don't marvel that that demons obey us, right? But we marvel that our names are in the book of life and that we are being transformed into the image of God as children of the living God.